So what does it mean to be called an elder in the local church? We have been doing a series on why do we do that? And so our question today is, why do we run the church the way we do? Why at Life Fellowship Church, where Pastor Ben and Pastor Dan are are two of the pastors, uh, do we have a, an ecclesiology that has pastor elders who make most of the decisions? Um, what gender should an elder be? And uh, how do they navigate church leadership? So that's our topic today on Life Talks. What is the role of elder and why do we do it that way? Ben, thanks for joining us today on this important conversation. Yeah. I'm glad I'm asking the questions <laughs> and, you're, and you're answering them. So, so you and I both grew, both grew up Baptists. Yes. We didn't regularly use the term elder no, in those I, days. No, I never heard elder until I went to college. Yeah. So let's, let's start with definitions. What's the difference? Is there a difference between an elder, a bishop, a pastor, a Great a question. Great question. So really, I mean, let, let's, let's zoom out a little bit. And and when it comes to church polity or church governance, there are many different uh, systems or philosophies of how to do it. Um, I got a I got three questions that really help drive what kind of church government people use, and the three questions are: number one, where is power distributed? Is the power distributed amongst the, the local congregation? Is it a centralized structure, or is it somewhere in between? Right. Um, then the second question is who makes and reviews decisions? Is it one person? Is it a group of people or is it the, you know, giant congregation? And then the last one is what happens when something goes wrong? Hmm. Is it, you know, whose responsibility is to keep something the, the system accountable? And so all of those are good questions that really determine, you know, what kind of church government do you have? And so th- when you look at scripture, I, I think, Here's the reality. Everyone, no matter what your system is, uh, is would say I, we find our system in the Bible, okay? And and there's really three major br- trees or branches of church government as far as like what people's philosophy is, and there's some subgroups within those three. Some people think think there's five. I really only think there's three with some subheadings of of the other ones. But you got to understand what what. Is like when you look across the church landscape today, every single church has one of these three, unless you're a cult, and I don't count you. Okay, <laughs> um, but but the first type is what we call the Episcopal government. The Episcopal government is run by bi- a bishopric or a group of bishops and one singular leader, and so that's where we get the Episcopal name from. Is that's the Greek word episkopos is the Greek word for bishop, and so. Um, and it's that's more of a that that's was much more of a Roman or Gentile term as far as governance. Uh, an, an episcopos was someone who would help lead or manage a city back in ancient Greek and Roman times. And so, uh, examples of the, an episcopal church government would be uh, the Roman Catholic Church, Greek Orthodox, the Anglican traditions, um, uh, where it's this idea that. The, the, the power and the authority resides in one singular leader, and there's bishops that oversee all the other, and there's kind of like a tree, one guy at top, and there's like all the, the org chart down below, and, and underneath is all the churches. But all these small little congregations or churches or whatever they might be, they don't really have any power. They don't have power to choose or select their pastor or the leader over their church. They're assigned 
a pastor or leader. And it's assigned by the person above them who's assigned by the person above them. So really all the power resides in one singular leader at the top of the org chart who's making decisions. The Pope, the the uh, Patriarch of Constantinople, uh, the the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury. I mean, that's that's just this church government. Um, and so... And so there, there's a modification of that version, which which you see might see in some Baptist churches, in most non-denominational megachurches, and that is the singular CEO, you know, leader, pastor of the church who they might have they might have leaders around them, they might even have a elders, but they're just yes men, mm-hmm. right? There's just there's a singular leader in charge. And what they say goes, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. There's an org chart underneath one guy making all the decisions, yep. right? Um, they we, it might not be as broad or as big as as the Roman Catholic Church, but the system is still the same. And you and I have seen that <laughs> play out. Um, sometimes it can be in an independent Baptist church, it can be a, a non-denominational church, but um, that's typically the the Episcopal government church model. The pros are of that model is. Um, especially the senior leader, you can get a lot of things done, right? Um, they take their their uh, biblical example from, hey, Peter was the leader of of the you know of the church, and there's one senior leader who's given all the authority, and just like Jesus, and then he gives to Peter, and one person's got to be in charge, and so that's the way that the Bible wants it. And uh, the, the downside of that is there can be a lot of corruption. And there can be a lot of mistakes that people make, and there's no real like when when the leaders make a mistake, it's swept under the rug. There's not a lot of high accountability, and sometimes it, it just leads to a lot of problems. Um, so that's that's the one type. The second type is what we call the Presbyterian church government. This is the idea that there's a collection of elders um, that that help lead the church. So in the Presbyterian denomination, what you have is what they call a session, which is made up of a you know, uh, like a pastor, and then a couple of of lay lay elders, and they make up a session, and then they are the ones who help lead the church. Um, that pastor is just one voice among many, uh, and uh, they make decisions as as a group. Now, in the larger Presbyterian denominations, what they'll have is they'll have then a presbytery, and there what they'll have is the they'll take one or two representatives. Are elders from every local congregation that's in a geographical area, and they'll come together and they'll be a presbytery, and they'll help manage conflicts that, let's just say, there's a problem between a pastor and the church, or this church and this church, and they'll help manage those those issues that are within the denomination. Um, and and a modification of that would be a local non-denominational congregation, or even a Baptist church church that might be led by a group of elders. Right? There's there's pastoral elders, on there's staff elders, there's lay lay elders. Um, but they are they they lead the church, they organize the church, and um, that's our church government here at Life mm-hmm. Fellowship. We hold to that level or that kind of church government. We don't belong to a larger denomination, but our church is led by right currently. Uh, you and I are, are two of the elders, and there's four other men on our, at our church that, um, that operate as as elders. And, and when we're in that room together, right? It's not it's a room of equals. It's a room of equals. No one has a greater voice. Now, there's a chairman who helps organize and manage the elder team. Um, me as the, as, as, as you know, you and the, I. The, well, no, you as the primary pastor. Yeah, I, I don't you lead set the it. Vision. I set the vision, but I don't, I'm not the chairman. That's, those are two roles that I, I will never be able to hold. And that's good. We don't want there to be this, I, I, 
the elders are not my puppets. Right. Right? They, and they shouldn't be. They should, when we're in that room, everyone's voice is equal. And that's the voice the is equal, thing. but the roles are unique. And I that's think right. that's, I think that's what creates unity, by the way, is when you understand your role. Yeah. And you, ha- you have, you know, been assigned the role to provide wisdom leadership. You yeah. know, I do a lot of directional leadership, yeah. you know, the organizational part. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the chairman leads the team of elders. Yes. But I, and I think that, that's important for a healthy body when everybody understands their lane and they stay in the lane and yeah. they don't desire to be in somebody else's lane. That's right. That's right. So that's that's the best description of, of that church government. And then lastly is congregational church government. That is when, you know, we got Mob rule. Mob. <laughs> Sorry. That yeah. was a little prejudice. I mean, if you grew up in a Baptist church, maybe um, certain charismatic denominations, there's a, hey, every church gets to decide what they do. They, they We vote on everything. We vote on who our next pastor is. We vote on what the carpet color is. We vote on... I mean, I grew up in this kind of church. I grew up in a Baptist church up north, and I, I think I've shared this story here, but I, I remember when I decided I'd, I never wanted to do be a part of a congregational church government. I was in high school, and I knew I was going to be a pastor someday. And I was I stayed one Sunday night to to be a part of a a business meeting, which are I mean, they're just wonderful experiences. Oh, business just, meetings, just aren't a they? Delight. And I remember they the church lawnmower broke. It was a riding lawnmower. We had like ten acres, and we needed to buy a lawnmower. And they debated two hours of whether to buy a lawnmower or not. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'm 16 years old, and I thought. You gotta buy a lawnmower. Yeah. Why does this need to be debated? Just and buy pay, the thing. You know. Yeah. You know. This woman. We need more money for VBS, and I'm afraid if we buy this lawnmower, and everyone said their piece, and it's just like, this is this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You've got to buy a lawnmower. Just someone who's in charge needs to say, we're buying a lawnmower. I, you might not agree with the kind of lawnmower, but the reality is we own 10 acres. We need a lawnmower. Mm-hmm. We're going to buy a lawnmower. And it was just like, it blew my mind that anyone could run anything this way. Yeah. Which is why I call it mob rule. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. as you can tell, Dan and I feel very strongly um, I don't believe there's well, much. Part of my criticism of this form of government is it's very Western. It's very American. Yes. You don't see it a lot in the history of the church. No, 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 no. Um, no. And, and what we have done is we've tried to turn the church into like a Congress or, or something like that. And and in doing so, you bring people who may not necessarily be qualified to make spiritual decisions into a role, into a lane that's where right. they're not qualified. Yeah. And that's always dangerous. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. it I think it's very important that there are times when the church leadership need to hear from the congregation, right? Like there are times where that's important, but it's never, it's not democracy. And I think one of the things you said, which has been very true of church history, is you many times you see church government that is reflected in the natural, national or cultural government system. And so churches that are run by dictators, you will find many churches in those dictatorships, mm-hmm. they run like the pastor runs like a mini dictator, and yeah. everyone's okay with it. Yeah. Like, they're not complaining at all. Asian and churches are very familiar with that. Exactly. Yeah. Many times in Asian churches, or even South American churches, right, mm-hmm. you'll see a very strong you know, voice, central leader. central leader that makes all that, and whatever he says goes, and no one cares. Yeah. Because that's just, they're used to that in a cultural, that's a cultural norm in for them. Yeah. And, and one of the things you don't find in scripture, you don't find elections, you find selections. 
based on qualifications. Correct. But you don't find, a, you know, you know, popular votes uh, uh, t- taking place because you don't want the church to be political That's in right. its orientation. I like what we say at Life Fellowship is everybody has a voice, but we do not take votes. Yeah. And I, you know, even among the elder team, there isn't really a formal voting per se, because we don't move forward unless we're unanimous. That's right. So votes are irrelevant. We, you know, we listen for objections, but, but, you know, it, it, nothing ever passes four to two, right? That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. And that's, I think is very important to understand. Now, why do I believe that, that the elder model is the best? I just think it's the most biblical. And if you go all the way back, um, even to the old Testament, Dan, you'll always see, I, I mean, I think the first example of this that we see very clear is um, Exodus 17, when Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he sits there all day and has to negotiate all these problems. And his father-in-law Jethro is like, what are you doing? You need to, you need to find some leaders around you and, and surround them and help the people. And his whole point was, one guy can't do it all. And he, one guy shouldn't do it all, right? It didn't minimize um, Moses's influence. It didn't minimize his his role, what he did was he just led smarter, right? And so they put elders in charge to help manage some of the issues and problems and in the leadership of of the church or of the nation. Um, but you saw th- you see throughout the Old Testament this term elders, right? Um, and city elders, city elders that would sit at the gate and they would operate as a you know as a as a leadership council. And so you saw that in the Israelite culture very much so. Um, and then when you get to the New Testament, you see the same thing over and over and over again. You see in the book of Acts, Paul selecting elders, plural, elders to help lead. The, the, uh, that's in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 15, the Council of Jerusalem. When there was a problem, what happened? The apostles and the elders, there was a plurality of leadership from all the local congregations that would come together, and they had to make a decision. And so once everyone spoke, they're like, okay, here's our here's our decision. But it wasn't it wasn't one singular leader. It wasn't Peter making the decisions. It wasn't James, the the head of the church in Jerusalem, making decisions. It was a collection of 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 men making the decision. Um, and then you see that throughout, you know, even the book of of Titus, you know, the idea of appointing elders, plural, a leadership team that should lead the local congregation. And so that is the pattern that you see in Scripture. And I think the reason for that is. One of the things that is very prominent is the the belief that the true leader, it says this in 1 Peter, the chief shepherd of the church is Jesus Christ. And so all of us, whenever you're in church leadership, we are always subordinate to the true shepherd, which if you think about it, that's where we get the word pastor from. The word shepherd, uh, poimen, which is in the... uh, which is in the Greek, um, it's come down in, in our vernacular today to be pastor, but pastor is just simply another word that means shepherd. Um, but but in the Bible, uh, episkopos, which is bishop, uh, and, and then the presbyter, which is an elder, and then poimen, which is pastor, those are words that are used interchangeably in the New Testament. Um, again, the el- elder term is much more of a Jewish term. Episkopos, bishop, is more of a Greek term, a Roman term, but they both they all represent the same thing. So it's not like there's hierarchies of well, bishops above an elder and whatever, uh, and elders above a pastor. No, they're they're just terms that refer to the same office. They're used interchangeably and to refer to the different roles that church leadership plays. So that that's that's my defense of why we do elders. Why we have the 
the the church government here. Yeah, and and, and I think you know the, one of the things there was this plurality that I think was really important that many churches miss it. And you and I again growing up in the systems that we did, where there was a a lead pastor, head pastor, dictator <laughs> style. The, the problem with that is there was a lack of accountability so that if something went amok in his leadership, there was no one left to respond. That's right. Um, but so, you know, even Peter got called to account before council Absolutely, uh, yeah. for something that he'd kind of gotten whopper jot on. But I think the other thing is important to notice in the scripture, there are very specific guidelines for the qualifications of the elder. Mm, yeah. the, and those guidelines are not popular with the people. They're not They're not um, well healed uh, financially and donate a lot to the church. That's right. They're not um, a certain level of education, but rather their skills have to do with their character, their, their ability to handle the Word of God, yep. their spiritual gift of being able to teach. Mm-hmm. And at that point, whether you're a vocational elder or a lay elder, whether uh, you know, the, and and then also, and I, I want to bring this up: the gender was male. Yes. And yeah. so, so what do you say to the the folks today who say, "Well, <laughs> that was just the culture of that day"? Yeah, I think that it's been very. I I hold to a complementarian view of scripture. So why do we use the term complement? So complement the idea is that men and women are created equal in the sight of God, but have been given different roles by God. Um, Which that complement that complement each other, right? So the idea is that a a um, there, there's a role for the husband and the father in a family. There's a role for a wife and a mother. It does not mean that God thinks um, one is less than or one is greater than. It just means there are separate. There are there are different roles. They're they're equal in value, but there are variation in responsibilities. And so, um, the I believe that the Bible teaches. And again, I don't have we don't have the time to unpack all of this, but I believe that the Bible teaches that that. God has reserved the role of an elder and pastor to a man. It does not mean that I believe that women can't have effective ministries. It doesn't mean that I don't believe that they're not they can't be good Bible teachers. I don't that that's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying that I believe when you move away from the standard of scripture the, the these that is, that I think is clear, um you always see churches denominations that that say, "Well, that was a cultural thing." You always with the moment you you untether yourself from that biblical standard, that anchor, you start to drift. Every church that I've seen, every most denominations that went to, uh, you know, ordaining women in the fifties and sixties now ordain homosexuals. Right? I mean, I you can see the history of it. Why? Because they took a they took a standard that I believe was very black and white in scripture and said that's a cultural expression. We don't need to hold to that, and so. To me, that's where we go. We end up, instead of holding true to a, a biblical conviction like that, um, we can we can drift. And and I, so that that's why I I do not hold to women being pastors. Right, and elders. it's because of how we view truth. So we view Scripture as the truth of the Word of God, and it's objective. Right. It's not subject to culture, subject to interpretation in terms of, of you know, how much education we have or how much money we bring to the table. But it is objective. It stands on its own. Yeah. It's true whether or not we believe it or accept it. And whenever we unhitch ourselves from objective truth, 
we bring consequences. That's right. And those consequences can be everything from chaos to abandonment of truth yeah. to accepting lies as truth. Yeah. So that's why it's important that we recognize the Bible as the Word of God. It's mm-hmm. not just a, simply a, a book of literature or history or even just simply theology, that's but right. it is far more than that. That's right. Absolutely. So, well, you know, as as we've we, we've studied this, you know, what what do you suggest to? I mean, is it wrong to go to a church that doesn't hold your particular view? You know, that's a great question. This is not about are you a believer, non-believer thing, right? I mean, you can go to a church that has congregational rule. You can go to a church that has that singular pastor, and no one can question him, and no one, you know. That's your that's your prerogative, right? Knowing that there's going to be pros and cons, you might say, "Well, I want to be a part of a church where I can have a voice." Then go to a church where you can have a you know I shouldn't say a voice where you're able to vote on things, mm-hmm. right? Where you have more power and and you can you can elect deacons every three years and you can elect your pastor. Some people love to do that, and if that's something you want to do, knock yourself out. Um, I I have come to the conclusion of this is of my convictions based on my study of scripture but this is not a you are you are not a believer or you're a bad christian if you have another system of church government right i probably feel a little more strongly about it than than you do just simply because you and i are different people yeah. as well in that you know i've pastored primarily three churches and two of the three churches, I moved them away from congregational rule to elder rule because I really do believe it is the closest to the biblical model. I agree. It's not, again, not something I break fellowship over. However, if I were joining a church today, I would be looking at ecclesiology as one of the primary factors on how I chose it because you and I both have been to business meetings where the behavior became ungodly. Absolutely. And and I don't think that should be ignored, you know. I, I want there to be accountability for character, right? Which is why I want elders, but I don't want accountability for every single thing that the pastor does. Right. Right? Like you why did you take a vacation day? That, I mean, I you and I have been in elder or congregational meetings where they're questioning the pastor when he takes a vacation. You're like, Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Making the pastor wait till after church on Sunday morning <laughs> to take to take their day off, right? Anyways, so yeah, so these these are important issues. Uh, it's why we do that. Yeah, and again, good people can sometimes disagree on these. But I, I, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback from those of you who are listening. By the way, if there's something that you, in your own heart, in your own mind, say, I wonder why we do that, shoot us an email. We would love to do that. In fact, this episode was brought to you by a suggestion from one of our listeners. That's right. And we always appreciate hearing from you. We also hope that you will share. Uh, our our links to our episodes, to our podcast, Life Talks, uh, with others on your social media or just in conversation with others. But as always, we thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well. So leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.